Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Farm to store in days, not weeks. That's 80 Acres Farms. Did you know most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate? But not 80 Acres Farms. Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled. They stay fresher for longer in your fridge. My salad lasts all week long, which means less food waste and easy meal planning. Oh, and did I mention there's zero need to wash these greens? Because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview Great Falls offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. So what I'm going to say that I don't want to come across wrong is I, I, I don't think you are saved. I don't think you're a Christian. Hey, welcome back to the podcast, y'all. Second week in a row, our friend... The best guest ever besides Chad and Parker and Amber. <laughs> Bernie Calcoat, welcome back to the show. We answer your questions on this show. If you have a question, GrangerSmithPodcast at gmail.com, and we answer it. And Bernie's on here because he's really great at empathizing and thinking and, and giving me a solid answer for things in my life. So we're going we're gonna to do our best like we're sitting in the cab of a truck answering questions about your life. Not always right. Mm-mm. Most of the time, honest. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're prepping for a live recording. So, what do y'all yeah. think about that? Yeah, doing this live, uh, live podcast taping where you ask the questions in real time. We're on a stage somewhere. Maybe we travel to a few different cities and we answer your questions there. What would y'all think about that? Would you show up? And what city should we go to? And would you be as honest? in person as you are, because there's some very honest, vulnerable questions that come through. Yeah, anonymously. Yeah, anonymously. So would you be willing to to do it? I think it'd be awesome. Hmm. Interesting. How would but, you respond if you asked a question and Granger just looked at you as like, dumper, what are you doing? <laughs> Let's move on. <laughs> Don't drink. <laughs> Quit it. <laughs> Stop it. Yeah. Okay, first question here. The subject line says goals, and it says, Hey, Granger, thanks for all you do. I am single and content, but obviously would like to find a relationship. I'm wondering, as a single person, if I find the right person, should that be treated as a goal? As in something you passively work towards daily, as in like a checklist, like talk to a girl, talk to at least three girls, ask for their number, actively spend time on dating site, research qualities that will help me be attractive, etc. Or is this just desperate in relation to leaning on God's timing and 
waiting for the right person to show up in my life without seeking them out at all. Thanks, David, 20, or excuse me, 31, Arkansas. P.S. Got a ticket to your Tulsa show. It's a hot ticket. Why are you grinning so much as you read that question? Because <laughs> I feel you. I feel like you're looking at me while I'm reading. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, and and David is just. I'm grinning because David is just so honest, and he he he's so sincere. And David wants to. David wants a girl. I think it's fair. Everything he's asking, I yeah, think is fair. He wants a girl. And he's sincere about that. And he's willing to say, unlike a lot of people, he's willing to say, what's it going to take? Yeah. I think, I'm going to take it that David is type A, kind of like me. Mm-hmm. So I need, a, I need a list. I need a plan. I need like a, we need to be actively doing this. Um, I think my brain tends to maybe work the same way. So I, I, I think it's fair. I mean, I, I'm going to wait and hear what you say the advice to him. Okay, sure. I, I at could... least, David, I feel you, buddy. All right, so Bernie, you could follow up. I'll just kind of shoot from the hip here. Um, you let me let me ask. Let me look at two things that you asked. Basically, you asked, "Should I treat finding a person as a goal that I work on daily, like a checklist?" And then the second question you asked is, "Or should I just wait, on, lean on God's timing, and wait for the right person to show up without seeking them out?" Those are two opposite ends of the spectrum here. And so I want to kind of point out, first of all, that you're not really thinking about middle ground here. You're asking two opposite questions. And and I think the answer in life always is in the middle for everything. And you are, you're kind of looking at extremes. And, and let, let me look at the God thing real quick. Leaning on God's timing and waiting for the right person to show up without seeking them is not biblical in the sense that the Bible's always going to give us humans a responsibility of something to do. So there's always through every command that through through all of God's sovereignty, meaning his total control, his providence, meaning his understanding of, of the future and in our lives and everything and every hair on our head and every day that we have left on our life. There's a there's also a sense of responsibility that we have on top of that providence to respond, to act, to follow, to stand up, to take up your mat, and and follow. So, so we know for a fact that sitting, waiting on God, and not doing anything is wrong. The opposite is wrong, wrong too. Saying, God, I'm going to take this into my own hands and handle all of this. Okay. So where's the middle? Where's the middle? How, how do we, as a mature Christian, responsibly handle the middle ground where we trust, we believe, and we also act as a response to our belief? We, we act with our responsibility as a response of the grace, okay? That could be applied to everything in your life, including finding a girl. Mm-hmm. So you believe that there, that you believe not that there's a girl or not that you will be married or you will have children, but you believe that God has a purpose for your life. And there's a, there's a good chance that that purpose is, in, is going to include a girl, but not, it's not, it's not exactly true. You just know that he has a purpose for you in some way. So you trust that first and you go, God, 
I'm going to lean on you. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to read your word. I'm going to study. I'm going to surround myself with wise counsel. I'm going to implant myself in a church. I'm going to become a member. I'm going to become actively involved in the church. I'm going to, I'm going to be in a small group. I'm going to be with other men. I'm going to be learning and soaking in as they teach me, as I dive into your word. And then, and then I'm going to, when I'm doing that, I'm going to also be cognizant of my desires around me. Like, do I see a girl throwing this out. I see a girl at the grocery store and, she, and I see her there every Monday and I'm really attracted to her. And I'm also really into God's word right now. Then I, I would pay attention that God puts desires in our heart like that. He gives us the desires of our heart as in gives us new wants and desires. And so we pay, and then we act on that. We act on the girl in the grocery store and we say, hey, I see you here every Monday in the vegetable aisle I like cantaloupe too. I thought that was funny. I, I'm sorry, I'm a little awkward, but I live down the street. I noticed you walk here. Maybe one day we can grab coffee or something. I mean, that's acting on God's providence because of your trust. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to stop and let Bernie go. No, I, I think everything you're, you're saying is right on. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go out on a limb here. Um, I have this analogy or metaphor, whatever you want to say, it, but it may be absolutely terrible, but I'm going to throw it out there anyway. So, um, but I know there's people listening, like to fish, right? So let's say we go out to fish and we decide to put some peanut butter and jelly sandwiches on our hook. We put it out there. Okay. We're going to catch maybe some seaweed, not much, right? But then we have some live bait put that on there okay i think what granger's saying is if you the dating apps and things that you can take into your can your own control to try to force this is going to be the peanut butter and jelly sandwich you're putting on your hook you're not going to catch anything and if you do catch anything it's not going to be what Mm. you want Mm. but if you are just trying your best to be obedient stay in god's word and walk in the path each day he has for you he's going to lean over and say hey put this on your hook put it out there and what you catch is going to be what you want so yeah I love, David, I love your type A personality, and you're going to have to put some live bait on that hook, man, because you you, you are, yep. I bet your peanut butter sandwich that you're casting also has the crust cut off of it, like perfectly <laughs> in squares. <laughs> man, and I appreciate the effort, and that yeah. looks cool. I bet it's a brand new hook you got at Bass Pro Shops, and you yep. hooked it right through the oh, middle yeah. of that peanut butter and jelly, and it's probably like crunchy peanut butter, like perfectly measured out and everything yeah the effort is amazing it's really admirable but it ain't going to catch anything yeah i think one thing you said um just about aiming for the middle that's a good word for me for everybody Uh, we tend to kind of see things Mm. polarized but it's like most of the time we need to kind of think about the middle yeah so david maybe maybe aim towards the middle buddy next question guys let me just say this I don't know what's coming at me. <laughs> we don't have notes in front of us. We don't have like a list of famous quotes from Abraham Lincoln or something that we're going to throw out. You're going to hear these questions as I hear them. Subject line, work-life balance. Hey, Granger, first off, I'd like to say thank you for your example. I have learned a lot from listening to your podcast as well as other forms of media with you and your family. Your podcast has really helped Show me the need for me to be daily reading my Bible in order to grow my faith. Through that daily reading, it's helped me grow tremendously. My question is this. It's about work-life balance. As a man of faith, 
I see a need for me to be present in my home to nurture my family. But I know it's also my responsibility to provide for my family. My dad owns uh, his own business and always worked a lot to provide for us, which I don't take for granted because he missed out on a lot while we were growing up. My worry is that if I follow in his footsteps, the same will be true for me. I trust in God's plan and pray for his guidance daily, but I want to seek wise counsel as well. With all the things that you have going on, um, would you have some advice to give on this? I look forward to hearing your answer. For privacy reasons, I prefer to stay anonymous. A great question, anonymous. Uh, very, very thoughtful question. Mm-hmm. And I, pre- it's, it, I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Sounds like his heart's in the right spot. You know, I, I was at a... I was at a conference with Mark Dever as he was speaking and people were asking questions and he was answering questions recently. And somebody asked a question. I don't remember what it was about, but Mark's answer was, brother, if you're even asking that question, you're going to be just fine. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> you know, that's good. I can yeah. say that to this guy. Yeah. Brother, if you're even thinking about this, you're yeah. going to be fine. You're yeah. going to nurture your family. You're going to be a great dad and you're going to provide for them. Yeah. Yeah, it's the people good. that don't think through it that get into the problem. Yeah, there's no, no that, right or wrong answer. There's good. no secret sauce to this. But. Yeah, um, I think practically, um, do we got time for a break? Sure, go ahead. I, I think practically, just um, I think having some boundaries in place ahead of time. Um, if you're thinking about work-life balance, um, I think it's really good to be present. And Granger and I have talked about this a lot. Just in every moment possible, just being as present and here now as we possibly can. But what that also means is that you have set boundaries in place and provision for your family that when you are at work, you can be completely present and doing the best work possible. Mm-hmm. There's going to be so much value in that that you're probably going to not have to work you know, 50, 60 hours a week in order to provide for your family. Um, I think that's something that we, our culture as a whole kind of like, um, gets away from. We just think, oh, well, I just got to work a lot instead of like, well, what if we did really quality focused work in a shorter amount of time? And then we got to go home and focus completely on our family. Both sides of the coin are going to, um, just gain a lot more value and nurturing and provision from that. So if you can set those boundaries in place now and then when once you start to like kind of bump up against them, have some accountability and somebody that knows like, um, hey, yeah, this is this is what I put in place for this reason. And maybe that means that I don't make that bonus or I don't get that one project or and that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> like we have to we have to like have contentment first and then make your your boundaries around that and then try to stick to them. So just some practical, I don't know if it's helpful, man. Um, yeah. The, the reason same struggle. what Bernie's saying, and the reason there's no secret sauce to this, and it matters more of your heart position to it. The reason we're saying that is because your idea of providing for your family or your idea of time home with the family is, it's just not defined. It's just so subjective. Mm-hmm. For instance, if you have a second grade education and you have two felonies and you've served prison time, and you're raising a family post all this, and you get an offer for really good money to go out on an oil rig in the Gulf of Mexico for six months. 
you would not at that point say, eh, I don't know, I kind of like to be around my family. It's like, no, dude, you're in a desperate situation. Mm -hmm. This is a great opportunity for you. You need to take this opportunity to get this good money, and you're going to be gone. That's a sacrifice you have to make in your situation. Mm -hmm. And the same would be on the opposite. Say you're doing really well, and you're continuing to work too hard and take too many opportunities, and you're not home enough. That would be irresponsible the other way, right? And you could also be irresponsible in a way that you're just home too much. And things are not getting paid for. Mm-hmm. So it's just very nuanced. There's just not a right or wrong answer. The heart is the most important. You want to be present mm-hmm. at work. You want to be present at home. You want to make sure that you're, you're raising a, a, a household that understands that dad has to work. Because you don't want to raise a house that, that thinks dad's most important priority is to not work and to be with me and catch the football when I need to throw the football. Yeah. That's bad, too. Mm-hmm. Right. Just be careful. You're thinking through this. I love your question. Yeah. You're going to be all right. Yeah. Um, let's hit another. Long fought battles, the subject line. And it says, I've been married for 12 years. My wife came with two kids from a previous marriage. They are now 17 and 19. We have two younger kids together, three and eight. She has struggled with mental health issues for the past six years. It has caused our kids to check out of the relationship and will certainly cause our younger kids to eventually do the same. We have sought godly counsel, lowercase g, and we are now on our fourth counselor. The counselors are all professionals. Most importantly, they are there to help uh, here and help turn around our marriage. She has gone as an individual and then we would get together and tie things back together, so to speak. Unfortunately, she's not made much of any progress. She has ruined all of her relationships with her friends as well. This has been sad for me as a bystander to watch all this occur. It puts me in a negative vibe in her in our household. I prayed for her in everything that I can, but uh, at the end of the day, I cannot bridge the gap and make up for what she lacks in our relationship or for our kids. What are your thoughts? Thanks for reading. Okay. It's so no heavy. real no real question other than what are your thoughts? Yeah, just kind of respond to to the situation here. Hmm. Um married 12 years, two kids from the previous marriage that are in the upper teens and then younger kid two younger kids together. So the problem is looking like with the older kids. It's really the question. Two older kids have checked out and the two younger kids might do the same. Um you're doing a lot. You're putting the work in with these counselor things. Um, you're on the fourth one. And the first thing I want to say to you, uh, besides thanks for your vulnerability, is the first thing I want to say is, I get it. These older kids have checked out. I get it. Mom's got mental health. Uh, she's She remarried and had two, or, two more kids. Mm-hmm. And I'll say this with the, the most respect to you. Mom had two replacement kids, mm-hmm. you know. Mom replaced us with mm-hmm. two kids with the new guy. Mm-hmm. All respect to you when I say that. I'm just kind of speaking from a 17-year-old mind what, what that could look like. Mom's a little crazy. She's, she's in counseling all the time. Listen, this needs to be said too. When you're 17 and 19, you're kind of checked out anyway. Right, <laughs> I mean, yeah. Let's not forget that part of it. 
You could be a 17-year-old checked out of a great home. So, so what? I think we should ask a question for him. What do you do? Mm-hmm. He didn't say that. What do you do? Yeah. If you're this guy in this situation, you're the stepdad of two upper teens that have checked out. Your wife's having mental problems. You've gone through counselors. You've seen all of her friends disappear. And you got two younger kids, very vulnerable ages, three and eight. What do you do? Yeah. So a couple things jump out. Uh, First thing is just a ton of like empathy and heartbreak, man. I hate that you're in this. I hate this for the the mom. I hate it for the kids. Uh, Man, this is just part of our broken world and having to, you know, walk through these kind of uh, really difficult, hard situations. And so, man, I think Grizz and I both kind of heartbreaks for you just having to, to sit in this and recognize just as, as humans in this world, what we, what we all have to endure, how nuanced it can be, but also, you know, how similar we are. Um, the second thing that jumped out was these older kids have been through divorce and being someone that went through divorce I don't know if we recognize the trauma that that can cause. I don't know how early in childhood that happened. And I mean, I guess it's at least eight years ago if they have a three and an eight-year-old, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, which is a very, you know, formative time for those kids. Um, Let's do some math. They've been married for 12. Um, The kids are 17, 17, 19, 19, 3, and 8. So... So yeah, that they got divorced when the kids were five and seven. Yeah. So I don't just speaking quickly before we you know get to you like um, the those those older kids probably need a lot of love and a lot of attention and a lot of grace. Um, if they've checked out, like Granger said, yeah, I mean most of them do at that age, but. Um, continuing to walk alongside them, especially as a stepdad and just be like, and, you know, sit in their, in their hurt with them. Like, man, I know that that must've been hard to have your dad. If you've never done that before, maybe you have, but um, yeah, like I said, just being somebody that went through that, I think that there is residual um, effects that they may not even be aware of quite yet. And so if you could just view them with that level of grace and be able to maybe uh, step into that, I I think that that would help, especially if their mom is mentally not well. She's probably not caring for them uh, in that relationship in a way, maybe. So when when did your parents get divorced? Um, When uh, How old were you? uh, Whenever I was 14. Teen, mm. uh, but my my dad had left when I was nine. They separated. So did you have and a checkout period in your life? For sure. Yeah. It started at fourteen. Yeah. Because my dad, I mean, it's a little bit different. My dad had left, and I, whenever I was nine, and I thought like, okay, this is they're separated, whatever. But then he came back, and it was kind of like my parents got back together, and it was like there was this hope. And then they sat us down again. It was like. I'm leaving this time and it's for good. And then it was just like, okay, well, I'm, uh, I'm checking out for sure. So yeah, I would say 15, 16, 17, 18, all the way till the Lord, you know, got me at 21. So, um, 
Yes. So the guy, so you, uh, anonymous, man, this is not a this is not a crazy rare situation. What we're seeing is just the natural result of the fall of a broken marriage. Mm-hmm. And um, so let's just throw out a couple things that he can do. Yeah. And so I want to, you, you mentioned God a few times. Uh, you mentioned prayer a few times. I want to make sure that you're plugged in to a good local church. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I love that you're emailing this podcast and, and you're seeking, as you said, you know, counsel from us. But, but I also want to see that not just from a counselor, from a, like a counseling firm or like an organization that does counseling, but I'll, I want to see that happen within the local church itself because, believe it or not, that's what they're there for, is to walk with the congregation through life's difficult problems so that they're not alone. They're not going to always give you an answer, but they're going to walk with you. And, and God, as, as, as we know that God walks with us and is with us and is present with us, do you know he uses human agency to act that out many times? So, so when, when your congregation or your pastors or your, your, your family members or whoever is walking with you, that is a, a, a godly thing. And so that's why a local church, when they counsel you, unlike some of these counselors from an agency, when your local church is counseling through, they're actually walking they know where you came from, and they're, they're walking with you after it. So even when you stop the counseling, they're still walking with you, and you see them, and you, you have coffee with them, and you have, you have meals with them. And so you're not alone. Don't be alone in this. Make sure you just mm-hmm. keep talking about this. And another thing I'll throw out is find a common ground with this 17- and 19-year-old. Mm-hmm. We said this in the last podcast. Find something. You, you probably won't like it but find something that they love and dig into that. If, if it's NASCAR racing or if it's video games or if it's the NFL or if it's chess, it doesn't matter. Find something they love and then that's your in. Join them in that mm-hmm. and then start that community with them through that, through that commonality of the video game, through Fortnite or whatever. Yeah. Uh, one thing I'll I'll mention that Granger just said, uh, but didn't go into was pray, like just continue to pray. Like I have seen in my life, I know Granger has seen situations that can look like this, and if you are just diligent in bringing it before God, diligent, not just um, oh yeah, I'm going to pray about that. No, but like sit in the stillness with God and and beg him and plead with him, petition. Um, I think your heart gets changed. I think you start to hear the voice of God and how to practically act these things out a little clearer. And I think that you can see um, his spirit work in these two older kids, in, in the younger kids, and maybe a change in your wife's mental state um, if we just pray to a God that hears us and wants to draw near um, and show mercy. So just pray. I know it doesn't sound like much, but I do believe it's like one of the most powerful things that we have and that we can do. So let me take that thought prayer. Okay. We're going to take a break because we're out of time on the cameras. We're going to, we're going to get right back because I, I want to, I want you to expound and I want to say one more thing involving that. I think it's really important to say, we'll take a break here. Right back. 
Have you ever been stressed out trying to find tickets to a sporting event or a, or a show or a concert of any kind? Well, me too. I'm right there with you. And, and I'm even in the concert business, or at least I was for 24 years. And it's, it's still difficult for guys like me because technology is changing and ways to find tickets are always changing. Well, buying tickets to your favorite event shouldn't be that stressful. And this podcast is brought to you by Game Time. Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all sports, music, comedy, and theaters near you. With killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guaranteed, you could stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped up for the fun you're about to have. So I'm, I'm pulling up the app right now, and I just put Austin, where I am. I hit Discover, and then Popular. The first thing that pops up is the Earthquakes at Austin FC. So there's soccer. Super easy to grab that ticket right there. And then here's OU at Texas. This is college baseball. Avenged Sevenfold. So now we're getting into music and Chris Stapleton right under that. Steve Miller Band. You just, boom, you hit right here and then, and then you find your ticket or you find your seat that you want to sit in and then there's the price. Just super easy. I love how this app is completely laid out for guys that don't want to sit here and search like me. So forget planning months in advance. Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. You can get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, baseball, basketball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. Game time guarantee means that you're always going to get the best price. If you find the tickets in the same section and the same row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. You can get images of your seat before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. Buy tickets in just a matter of seconds. Two taps and you're set. That's it. Tickets are sent directly to your phone, so you never have to dig through your email and, you know, do all that crazy stuff. Snag the tickets without the stress with GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use code word Granger for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code Granger for $20 off. Download GameTime today. Last-minute tickets. Lowest price guaranteed. All right, getting back into this podcast and kind of just finishing a thought from the last question. Um, and we were talking about there was this situation where um, there's, a, there's a stepdad and he's got a couple of teenage kids that have checked out, two younger kids together. The wife is she's struggling with mental health issues. And we're talking about plugging into the local church. We're talking about, Bernie was talking about praying and how the power of prayer. And so there's one more thing I kind of want to add to this. And and that is, Bernie's so right. We, we, we typically use prayer as like the last thing. Like, I've done everything I can, and I've even prayed. Instead of using that as what the, the Bible would tell us is that is our first thing we do. Um, I've been studying James in the Bible, the, the brother of our Lord, the stepbrother, by the way. And he was known, I read in a commentary, he was known as having, they call them old camel knees. Because his knees were so worn and leathery because he was always on his knees praying. Wow. Isn't that crazy? Like, oh, if I could one day be called old camel knees. Like, oh, Granger, that dude is always <laughs> on his knees, old man. Old camel knees. Like, if that, That's if good. the brother of, of Jesus was prayed so much that his knees were worn out and leathery, what did he know? Mm -hmm. If anyone knew anything about prayer on the mortal level, don't you think it would be someone that lived and grew up with that man, grew up with Jesus? What does that say for us? Um, Martin Luther, I'm going to kind of just say this loosely, Martin Luther, the old reformer, 
uh, said, quoted loosely, something like, I am so busy, it's going to take me weeks to pray for all this stuff. Mm-hmm. So what are we missing with this? Here's my point. When Bernie brings up prayer and I bring up local church, I would like to also combine those two things and not, not forget that those things also go together. And when you're talking to people and they say, how you doing? And you say, I'm fine, man. How are you? And they're like, man, I'm good. Cool. Busy. Cool. Me too. Okay, bye. That is a normal conversation between two dudes. But what, what I need you to do when I want to encourage you to do is to say, man, to be honest with you, um, been struggling. It's been a, it's been a little bit of a season for us. My wife is uh, she's been struggling, and um, I could appreciate your your prayers if you if you could pray for me, and specifically for my our two kids, our two stepkids have kind of checked out. They're seventeen and nineteen, and um, I'm worried about them, and I could use your prayers. When I hear that as a Christian, when I hear that, my heart just kind of flutters a little bit. It gets, it, it kind of enlarges a little bit because I feel like what I hear is, hey, Granger, we're recruiting you to the army. Would you come with us and fight this battle with us? And I love that kind of language because I'm like, yes, what are the names? What are the names of the kids? Give me 17, 19. Sometimes if I'm thinking about it, I'll pull out my phone, give me their names, 17, 19. And your wife, what's her name? I want to know this stuff because then I want to be able to go and I want in my prayer life because I feel like I'm doing something as a Christian that I'm called to do. Mm-hmm. Praying for others, praying for the well-being of others that has nothing to do with me. So don't be afraid to tell, I'm speaking to all Christians right now, don't be afraid to tell your brothers and sisters what's going on in your life. There's a difference between self-deprecation and depression and just bringing people down with negativity. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying... Brother, I appreciate it if you could say a few prayers for my grandpa. He hadn't been doing too good, and we're worried about grandma. Okay, okay. I'll pray for that tonight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the depth of community just um, grows and grows when you do that. The depth of relationship, when I'm vulnerable enough to say, like I did, like maybe earlier, <laughs> you know, for the podcast, mm. like, hey, man, I'm struggling with this. It's like you're inviting that person into a deeper relationship. You're sh- you're sharing with them like, "Hey, I trust you." Mm-hmm. And I would say the majority of the time the response that you're going to get is let me join you in that. Let me let me join you in that. There's not going to be any, you know, making fun of you or like, "Oh, get it together. You don't it's not going to be I guarantee you it's not going to be like that." So, um you're going to then be able to enjoy just that feeling of community and that feeling of, okay, perspective. I'm not in this alone. And Granger knows, and he is advocating. He is interceding for me. It's not just me. God, God hears us. Hmm. Um, so, I, I, yeah, I think you're right on, man. Dude, it just opens up. And I don't want to go too far on this because we could talk the whole podcast just about this. But... It goes so far because then when I see you next week, I say, how's your wife? How's the kids? Okay, you know, and, and we're getting updates. And then it also opens my eyes in the community of, hey, did you know that the, the so-and-so company is hiring 19-year-olds? Did you know that? I just saw it, but I thought about your kids because you mentioned they were kind of checked out and then I was praying for them. And then the other day, it was weird. I saw a, a we're hiring sign in the window and I thought about your kids. 
I thought maybe, and maybe that's the thing, and then it triggers, and God works in that way, and then they call, and then they get a job, and then that's something they become passionate about, and it changes everything just from you opening up your prayer life. There's, there's really nothing cooler in this life than feeling like you are kind of caught up in something bigger than yourself. Yes. I, I can't tell you yes. how many times, Granger you know, could probably attest to this, how many times I have been praying for you, and God just lays something on me, and I'm like, hey, Grizz, I don't know what this means, but man, I, I feel like, you know, this is going on, or you tell me something, I was like, oh, man, and you are you text me back, or you call me, or we talk, and you're like, bro, you have no idea. And I was like, I had no idea. I, <laughs> that's a true story. That's, that's the coolest thing to be a part of, to just feel like, man, there's something bigger working in us that... um if we're just sensitive to the Spirit and advocate and intercede for people, sometimes He just gives us these little, you know, you know, Easter eggs of like, hey, you need to you need to text Johnny and uh, and just ask him specifically about this, and you do that, and he calls you immediately. I need to come to your office, and you sit and you talk to him for an hour. Um, that stuff happens. It does happen, and it's something I wish I was a part of more often, but I, I love being a part of it because it, like Granger said, you feel like you're a part of this fight. Um, you're, you're, you're locked arms with the spirit and, uh, it's just really, really cool. Love it, man. Let's go to the next question here. Oh, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> I think I just saw the title. <laughs> Subject line says judgment in heaven. Hey, Granger. My name is Tristan. I'm 25 from Kansas. Love the podcast. Love your music. I, I learn more and more about God and the Bible every day. But I recently had a conversation with a relative about heaven. They claim there is no judgment in heaven. So when a family member or a friend passes away, they won't remember you as there is no positive or negative judgment. I know once you go to heaven, you are forgiven of your sins. But does that mean people only remember the good things? Do they remember anything at all? Just some thoughts of mine. Thank you. Yee-yee. Hello, Tristan. Let's let's dive into this. Thank you for emailing. I appreciate you, brother. Um, and I love that, you, that right at the top of this email, you say, I'm learning more and more about God in the Bible every day. I love that. Keep saying that. Keep saying that, yeah. Um, you are going to, through this, through, through your learning, you're going to run into a lot of people that say a lot of things, relatives, TikTok, whatever. And you're going to hear a lot of things about God in the Bible. It's very important to not take that as what, how you learn from a relative or from social media or from Google but we learn things from the Bible itself. It's very important to not rely, not even on devotionals. We, we could use them to supplement, but we don't even rely on anything but the Word of God itself. And then when you're doing that and you're, you're feasting on that and you're reading that daily, you're going to see things in there that answer questions that you, you didn't even know that it was right there in front of you. For instance, we can go a couple different, couple ways with your email. And I don't, 
I don't think this is like a theology question. I don't think that's what this is about. So I'm not going to dive into, you know, the theology of heaven. I'm not, I'm not. I'll just kind of lightly brush over it. But you'll see things, for instance, like you said, I know once you go to heaven, you are forgiven of your sins. That's, that's not true. You say, you know that. That's, that's not true. Your sins are forgiven when you repent and believe in Jesus. On earth, your sins can be forgiven today. Much less when you get to heaven, today, right now. Mm-hmm. By the time you die, it's too late. It is too late to make these kind of life changes, right? So by the time you get, you get to heaven, the, the, only, the only people that will be in heaven are the ones that were forgiven on earth, right? Does that make sense? But that's just, that's very simple Bible stuff. What's also kind of concerning, and, and it's not really concerning because I know that you're learning and you're wanting to grow, but, but I want to kind of show you here that your questions are these, these are like very universal type ideas. Like everyone dies. Like what I'm getting from your email is everyone dies. Everyone goes to heaven. Everyone has no judgment once they're there, positive or negative. And then where do we go? What's, where do we go from that? Yeah. What do we remember? That's not yeah. uh, burning. Help me here. What do you think? Um, I'm trying not to get I, too deep. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. yeah. I, I think that the um, does he say his age? Twenty five. Twenty five. Okay, so we have a fully formed, close to fully formed brain uh, that we're talking to here. Um, I think you're probably getting in some conversations um, with some people, maybe a little bit older, that are throwing a bunch of stuff at you, and you don't really know how to defend your faith, and you don't really know what the Bible says. So I think like Granger said, like always be just studying just like we are studying and learning. Cause there's a lot there. Um, I, did he have a question at the bottom? Yeah, like, it's, how- it's basically once you get to heaven, your sins are forgiven, he says. Okay. Um, but does that mean you'll only remember the good things or do you remember anything at all? Yeah. So I think what Granger and I could say here um, is probably, um, I don't want to say irrelevant, but you have to go and wrestle with this yourself. If you're really going to know and you're really going to learn and you're really going to be convicted, um, I think you need to go take the word, you need to study it, you need to get connected with other believers, um, other non-believers, like be curious to have these conversations and wrestle, wrestle with the question. Um, I think it's great that you're, you know, emailing in to the podcast and kind of getting, getting some feedback and some understanding, but I, I don't think that this is a, um, they're wrong, you're right, here's, yeah. here's where we need to change the theology. That's right. I, I think it's a lot broader of a question that what best thing we can do is say, go find out for yourself, dig in and go find out for yourself. Yeah. There's definitely some things here theologically that just, um, are misunderstandings or he, he's, 
been told other things. But yeah, I want you to look up something, Tristan. And it's not it's not like you could look it up and there's one place. I want you to read through in context, meaning don't Google a verse. Please don't do that. Don't ever Google a verse and look and see if it applies to your life. Instead, I want you to read in context through the New Testament. Let's say you want to start them in Matthew. Start start in Matthew. It's going to start with the or genealogy John, yeah. of Christ or John. It's going to start with creation. And I want you to read through in context. And my question to you is, are you going to heaven? Are you going? Do you have a ticket? Basically, that's what I'm asking. And that's not for your relative to answer. That's not for for a my podcast to answer. That's not for uh, Google to answer. That's for John or Matthew or Mark or Luke or Romans or anything in the New Testament, really, to answer for you. I want you to find that answer. Are you going? Mm-hmm. Challenge you. I challenge you that, Tristan. And I challenge you not to Google it. This is why I say Google. I was thinking about this this morning. Um, the problem so many times, especially today, is that it, it depends on... Uh, this is what I was thinking. Okay, tell me if I'm wrong. I was thinking about this this morning in my workout. It depends on what lens we're looking through. So say we have glasses. You could put glasses on and through that lens, you see things. And so, so many times what we want to do is we want to take the lens of the world, our lives, our situations, our problems, our community, our culture, and we put that those glasses on and then we want to read the Bible mm-hmm. through our culture, through our own problems, through who we are, we read the Bible. And we see the Bible through that lens. But that's not what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to put on the lens of the Bible. Let's think about this. The Bible are the lenses. You put those glasses on. And so when you see the world, you're seeing it through the lens of the Bible. So then you look at your problems, your suffering, your questions about heaven and judgment, your questions about sins, your questions about uh, what happens after you die, the questions about everything, uh, uh, pop culture. But you're always looking at that through the lens of the Bible, not the other way around. Mm-hmm. That's good. Yeah, that's really good. So be very okay. careful. That's why I say put the lens of the Bible on. Put yeah. the glasses of the Bible on and then find out this answer. Are you going to heaven? Yeah, take Granger's challenge and then email us back mm. um, yeah. if you're willing to. Well, I mean, the thing is, is like it's not easy. Like getting up early and studying and taking this seriously, it, it is a serious matter. So I think it should be, but um, it's not easy. But I guarantee you, if you take the challenge, I would love to hear about your journey through it yeah. and what you discover about this question, but also um, just in your own faith journey. So, but thanks for writing in. Yeah. It's great. Next question says, brothers dead in combat. Hey, Granger, my brother is a U.S. Air Force uh, pararescue man, PJ, and on June 9th, 2010, helicopter Pedro 66 was shot down in Afghanistan on the way to rescue injured soldiers on the battlefield. Two of his teammates died in the crash. Their names are Benjamin White and Mike Flores. He is still active duty and doesn't say much about combat. He assures me everything is fine. A few times I have seen him cry and vent about that day. We, my family, try to console him with messages about the Lord, etc. We were both raised Catholic, but I do not think that he is a believer on the scale like I am. 
he would reply with things like, why would God let my friends burn to death in a helicopter crash? Is there anything you could offer him to help understand why such events happen? I imagine you uh, feel the same pain as he does with the loss of river. Thank you. God bless. Mm. And is there not a name? There's not a name. We'll call this, uh, call it, call it anonymous. How much time we got on this one? Uh, we got about six minutes, seven minutes. Okay. Which is not enough time for a question like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think at the end he's asking, like, do you have anything for him? But I think mm -hmm. really what we need to have is something for this guy. Yep. Brother is probably not listening. And yeah. I don't know if we have anything for him anyway. So. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's great. Um, I see that so many times on this podcast, the person emailing might need to hear what we need to say more than the person they're asking about. Yeah. And if it, at least it's like the, uh, the idea on an airplane, when you're, when the oxygen mask drop, put the mask on yourself first, then your kids. So if, because if you pass out, you ain't helping anybody. Right. So yeah. one message to your brother from us is thank you for your service. Like I can't imagine what yes. he's put himself through and just losing his brothers that way in combat and yeah thank you for your service man yeah totally agree um what i'm gonna say i'm gonna say something i say a lot of things on this podcast and not always they might not always come across as nice but i, I don't i don't need to be nice and I, it's not like i'm not in the business of being nice i genuinely love you man and I, I feel your heart in this email. You took so much time to write about your brother because he's, he's hurting and you're listening to my podcast and you're just taking a shot. Like maybe there's a chance Granger will read it and maybe there's a chance my brother can get help. So I love you for that, man. I love your heart. So what I'm going to say that I don't want to come across wrong is I, I, I don't think you are saved. I don't think you're a Christian. And please don't take that the wrong way because it's, I only mean it in a way to help spur you and, and cultivate that ground that you're standing on a little bit. Um, because yeah, I, I think that's great. And I think like you can definitely, I think you got more to say, but if you stop listening now, which is fine because you heard what Granger said and you're like, ah, oh, take that question and go to your brother and, and you guys wrestle through that. He he says that I may not be a Christian. What do you think? What? And you guys like start down that journey together. One, there's going to be a lot of probably healing from trauma in that that y'all get to wrestle through together. Um, but hopefully there is salvation on the other side of it that, that you feel confident in, and you actually know. So sorry, I just had no. That. Yeah, that's great. So, and because and the, part of the reason I get that it, that feeling is you first of all being a Christian is not how you were raised, and you said. I was raised Catholic, but here's the key. But I do not think he is a believer on the scale like I am. There is no scale of being a believer. We are, we are all wretched sinners, rebels, undeserving, saved by grace through faith. That's a Christian. Undeserving. God, have mercy on me, a sinner. That's what the tax collector said, and he was the one justified. Mm-hmm. Not the Pharisee that said, thank God I'm not like him. Thank God he's not on my scale. 
Yeah, I wonder I wonder what he I'm trying to think of like any other way that he could have said that and meant that other than what you're saying right now. Yeah. I I don't know how else other than a you know, a, a scale that Catholicism will you know, kind of yeah. le- lead you towards which I think you just addressed. Um <laughs> I'm just thinking about if we do this uh, live, like some of these follow-up questions, What what is that going to be like? Well, yeah, <laughs> people are not like me. Yeah. Uh, brother, I don't believe you're a Christian, and I don't believe you're on any scale, and I don't believe you're going to heaven. And um, I would wrestle with that, and I say that in a way that I hope challenges you to go to the Word and go to the cross, go to the foot of the cross, and, and see your suffering Savior on that cross, nailed to the cross with blood coming down in a, in a way that he was so deformed, he was unrecognizable as a human. And when you look at why he did that, because me and you and Bernie and your brother here rebelled against him. And all of humanity rebelled against Christ. And the only way to reconcile us to him was to go to the cross and sacrifice as the spotless lamb, the once and for all final sacrifice for us to trade so that he could pay, so that in full he could pay the price of our wretchedness. And when you see that for what it is, and when you see that the wrath of God, the wrath of God that is upon me and you was satisfied through the cross, through that sacrifice, and, and, and when that, that wrath was satisfied, those that look upon it and believe and turn away from their lives and trust in it are saved. And I believe through your email that the wrath of God is still upon you. And so I say, seek him. Go to him. Take on his mercy. See him on the cross as that suffering Savior. And when that happens and you believe and you're saved, things will change also for your brother. Because when he sees that happen to you, he will see things in a different light. He will see death in a different way. Put the oxygen mask on you first and then your brother. That's all we got. Yeah. Love you guys. Amen. See you next time. See ya. Thanks for joining me on the Granger Smith Podcast. I appreciate all of you guys. You could help me out by rating this podcast on iTunes. If you're on YouTube, subscribe to this channel. Hit that little like button and notifications bell so that you never miss any time I upload a video. If you have a question for me that you would like me to answer, email grangersmithpodcast at gmail.com. Yee-yee. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Farm to store in days, not weeks. That's 80 Acres Farms. Did you know most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate? But not 80 Acres Farms. Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled. They stay fresher for longer in your fridge. My salad lasts all week long, which means less food waste and easy meal planning. Oh, and did I mention there's zero need to wash these greens? 
because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview Great Falls offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity.